0: Is the best of two pros in a couple of Joe with LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio.
3: So uh, we've got uh, a very big day uh, ahead of us. Uh, now, apparently Deshaun Watson uh, has met with the Saints and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, he met with them yesterday. Now there are some reports out that Deshaun Watson is also going to be meeting with the Cleveland Browns, uh, which is interesting because the Browns have a quarterback. And um, I know, feel like I brought that
2: <laughs> up yesterday. Did somebody, or Brady, somebody, one of us brought that up yesterday, that Cleveland could be one of those deals and why not because you could trade Baker and that would be of value but the question would be how much value is connected to that how many picks what you got to do if you're giving Baker
3: away in the trade because there's been well there's been other stuff that's out there that uh, the Saints and the Uh, Panthers are the only teams that Deshaun Watson would be willing to accept a trade to. And then all of a sudden the Browns come in and they're supposed to meet with him today. I don't know if there's how legit the Browns report is. There's a couple of different places that are saying it, but point being, you know, teams are jockeying for interviews with Deshaun Watson to try and figure this whole thing out. And if you are the Browns and this report is true, now what the hell does Baker Mayfield think uh, when they got to go back to him and say, uh, "Listen, we were, you know, uh, it, you know, it wasn't like a combine. We were there to talk to somebody else, and Deshaun just happened to be there." Like they've got at some point, you know, explain to him like, "Hey, you know, we uh, we looked at this, and uh, and I just wonder how Baker Mayfield's going to take that." Uh, not well. Yeah.
1: Uh, not well at all. I, I would imagine that he is most likely not looking at even trying to negotiate any sort of extension anymore. He, he's just I, I feel like he'll probably just want to play this thing out, play as best as he possibly can, and then force the Browns to be in a situation where his asking price is so astronomical that after this year, if he does what I think he's going to do, I think he's going to play well they're not going to be able to come to an agreement. And they'll have to either tag him and trade him, or maybe they just let him go in the free agency. I mean, that that would be surprising if that was the case. I don't really foresee that happening, but I don't think he's going to take it well. And I I, I think this may be a scenario if if they don't end up – like, if you look at at all the potential suitors, Saints, Panthers, Browns now are in the mix – the Browns are the only team that can actually provide the Texans with maybe what they want to a degree, something closer to a franchise quarterback, even though I think, they, I think Davis Mills played pretty well as a rookie last year. But they're the only team that can truly say, we, we want to trade for Deshaun Watson, here's what you're asking for, and we want Baker Mayfield as part of that. If you look at the Saints or the Panthers, you're probably looking at a trade compensation package that's including Michael Thomas, for example, or if it's Carolina, uh, Christian McCaffrey, like other big star players that can help out your roster, but also there's a a fair amount that you're going to have to absorb under your uh, salary cap. So when I'm looking at this entire scenario, I'm thinking to myself, Cleveland's the only one with a legitimate, hey, let's trade a kid who's from Texas, by the way, began playing his college ball at Texas Tech, I'm sure it wouldn't be the worst thing for him to want to go back to Texas or Houston in his mind and then get a fresh start with a team that's actually trading for him instead of one that's now looking at other options, whether via the draft or now with Deshaun Watson that's currently out there to try to figure out if they want to make a bid on his services.
2: And getting out of a place that clearly didn't want you. They had an opportunity to negotiate an extension last year. They offered was not what Baker wanted. And was willing to bet on himself. And we we know how that played out. The interesting thing is. Is all those names. They're all considered to be pretty much damaged goods. The idea of it would be. Who's less damaged. Is it Michael Thomas? Is it Christian McCaffrey? Is it Baker Mayfield? Yeah. If you ask me. I'm going Baker Mayfield. If I'm trying to make this trade. Because you can't trust picks. You can't trust it. And if I'm going to trade away. To, to get. Deshaun Watson if I'm going to trade away to try to replace what I'm doing in 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 Houston I, I, to be honest with you Baker Mayfield is it's is kind of funny he's like kind of like a conundrum he's kind of not as good as some people think he is but he's certainly not as bad 100%. as people think he is and and I think that in terms of him having the opportunity to get that fresh start and be somewhere where the drama may not be as bad for him, because I think the drama is still drama in in Houston for the for this team. But you you bring in a calming factor, right? You bring in a stabilizing force in Lovey Smith. We know if we don't know anything else, we know that Lovey Smith will bring a, a a type of of way that will kind of stabilize how people are feeling and and how they do things. For Baker to go and play for a coach like that at this point in his career, I think the therapeutic side of it would have a ton of value as well. If I'm, if I'm Baker Mayfield and I see this, there's two ways I look at it. One, I got to get what I can get because they clearly don't buy into me. Or two, I got to have the best offseason that I can have and I have to have the best season no matter where it is I end up. I have to have the best season that I possibly can have right now, this season. Don't look at tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday. You got a ball right now. And for what it's worth, you got to stay healthy. You got it. This is your year. You got to do it.
3: It's like people forget that he was banged up all last year. Virtually the entire season, he was playing way less than 100%. You
2: get blamed for that, though. You're held accountable for that in the league. Anything you put on tape. It
3: it feels like Baker Mayfield gets held a little bit more accountable than a lot of quarterbacks because people don't like him for whatever reason. He rubs people wrong. Technically, he doesn't because the ones
2: that get held more accountable are looking for jobs. I, 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 I don't know. You know man? I mean, like, 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 look at look at your boy that went to uh, Darnold. Look at Darnold. Look at there's there's guys that that are out there man, that will get held more accountable and they're let go.
3: Sam Darnold uh, it gets way more. Uh, they cut him way more slack than Baker Mayfield does. I mean it's you know we give him a second chance. Give him this. He's a nice guy. He's this. He's that. I mean Baker Mayfield was was banged up almost the entire season last year, playing through injury. You know pl- doing whatever he could with that team who had a lot of other issues outside of just baker mayfield's health oh. no i'm just saying like but the oh, the, the idea that baker, all of the, do, do you the did the browns did the browns realize where they were before baker mayfield got there i mean
2: did they give you that grace brady uh, uh, did they give you that grace when you no. were there and you were fighting no, your ass off to try to make things happen no and, and I, I think part of the reason
1: why he's a polarizing player how he's viewed is he's given you both ends of the spectrum you know, we, we've talked about the really story of his career, and he bursted on the scene setting a touchdown record in his rookie year, which gave people hope and optimism. His second year didn't follow that up very strong. Third year had his best season. They go to the playoffs, they win a game. And then this past year he's playing banged up. It wasn't really playing great before that. And it doesn't help either when you've got a wide receiver in Odell Beckham who does move on, who's better utilized, and ends up winning a Super Bowl. And now you've got a teammate in Jarvis Landry who maybe there are some thoughts there. Those Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry are close, college teammates, good friends, all that. And there was a thought that maybe there was some frustration on the part of Jarvis Landry saying, I'm stuck in a spot where I don't feel like I'll be able to reach the ability to win a Super Bowl. Now he's gone. Now he's out. So – you start to connect some of the dots and you say, I I can see how he'd be a polarizing figure because of how he conducts himself or has off the field because of how he's performed on the field. I I think there's ammunition for either side of the argument as far as what he has been. And if there's one thing I know about the NFL, it's that they reward consistency. Look at Kirk Cousins and the deal he just signed. Look at his entire career. He might have a ceiling, but I'll tell you this much – He's got a high floor, and that will win you a lot of football games and get you paid a lot of money in the NFL. Teams will not want what we've seen so far from Baker, where it can look great at times and it can look bad. They don't want that. They want something a lot more consistent somewhere in the middle, even if you have limited upside. You know, Everyone's got investments, different things, right? If someone told you, hey, you might not make as much, when the stock market's doing well, you might say, okay, but like, tell me why that's the case. Oh, it's because we're going to limit your downside risk. So when everyone else is losing 10% of their portfolio, you might only lose two. But when everyone else is making 25%, you might only make 16%, 17%. Would you be willing to take that? And you'd go, well, yeah, I guess so, right? Like if I could basically almost lose nothing in a down market where everyone else is, I'd take that. That's how NFL teams are, with how they look at their quarterbacks, their quarterback play. And, and that's where I, I kind of – I look at this situation, and, and is Deshaun Watson an upgrade of Baker Mayfield? Probably based on what we've seen him do so far in his NFL career. Uh, I think he adds an athletic element to it that Baker doesn't quite have. And, you know, there's, there's something there. There's something to that. And would he be able to raise up Cleveland and be that transcendent player they need him to be at the quarterback spot. I think he's definitely capable with some of the weapons they have. But again, that doesn't mean that Baker can't go win and can't go off into the playoffs with some of their team. I think he just needs a little more help out around him and probably to be in a system that plays more to his strengths. But he's got to find more consistency. And to Lavar's point, if indeed this were to happen, where this is his last year, whether it's in Cleveland or even if he got traded somewhere else. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to play more to the level we saw his rookie year, his third year, than, than what we saw last year in his second year in the league.
3: I just, uh, I, I think the Browns were a crap bag before he got there. I think he's much better than a lot of people want to give him credit for and the idea that, that they're just going to move on because we're the Browns. We could, we could do so Don't much. do you think
1: th- they know, though? I mean, as much as you want to say that, they're an entirely different organization. They're entirely different now. They've got a head coach. He's been through what two since he's been there? Started with Hugh, then went through um, who was the uh, Freddie Kitchens? Yeah, Freddie Kitchens. And now you're with Stefanski, right? Um, I, I just I feel like you've you've basically gotten them to a point where he's on his third head coach. He's with uh, you know I, I don't know how many GMs it's been now. Andrew Barry's done a good job. I think they understand and know what they have in the building. And I think that's one of the reasons why they would even explore this, knowing it's going to become public, because there is a sense that, look, if we do this, it's going to make him mad. It's going to ruin any chance we have of keeping this guy long-term, if we do this and if it gets out
3: uh, i mean if it and if, and if they don't pull off the trade and they've got to go back to him it's going to get so awkward there but, man but <laughs>
2: but he still has his job that he has to do <laughs> i mean and and listen sometimes playing mad can be the most beneficial thing to somebody's career i mean honestly not feeling as though you're appreciated sometimes you just got to sink into what you know and what has gotten you there because for the most part, most of us are. I mean, if you look at his story, he's an underdog story. And this falls in line with being an underdog. So, to me, it is what it is, right? People are going to feel the way that they're going to feel. You still have no excuse as to you doing your job. Get your job done. And if you get your job done and you do it at a high level, then that's how you get the last laugh as it applies to you. And 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 that's really all he can, he can lean on. And focus in on because if he focuses in on other things it's, they put blinders on horses some horses have them some don't they put them on the horses that tend to look to the side they see another horse they're distracted right you put those blinders on you see the finish line he needs to put blinders on he needs to see his goal because at the end of the day that's really all that matters and at Santa Anita they put sheets on him afterwards Yikes. too. still nothing
3: he knew that what We're talking about the uh, Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. uh, Reportedly going to be meeting with the Cleveland Browns later on today. Already met with the Saints and the Panthers and we were asking the question yesterday on the show. I mean, why wouldn't the Pittsburgh Steelers want to kick the tires on Deshaun Watson? Uh, And they have determined oh, we definitely want somebody from that draft class that Deshaun Watson was in but that somebody is Mitch Trubisky Trubisky is back. He is your new starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers Uh, They're saying he's going to compete with Mason rudolph but how about it mentor ohio zone i believe that's what they call it a uh, mentor ohio zone mitch trubisky uh is on his way to the berg to be a yinzer. Mentor. yeah mentor mentor is whatever. it mentor brady yeah, uh, mentor ohio yeah, yeah it's right. mentor. same yeah, thing uh but uh he is on his way to be a yinzer now uh in uh in the berg with the uh, pittsburgh steelers Coach. how about it oh you got a cue come on how about um it? You know, so his contract would
1: relay that this is a an opportunity. He will have the leg up on what's already there. Now, they've tendered Dwayne Haskins. I don't foresee someone coming in, matching that, and then moving on from him. Mason Rudolph, <clears throat> they said at the beginning of the offseason, if the season was to start now, he's our starting quarterback. That's, that's great. They won't make this move unless they wanted to have someone else in the mix. Um, I, I just... I don't think it excludes them from taking a quarterback in the draft, depending on who's there when they're drafting. So this this could be one of those deals where we're looking at Mitchell Trubisky as a bridge quarterback, you hear so oftentimes. Uh, it could be a scenario where, you know, look, they, they ended up taking a guy to see what he's capable of, and maybe this all works out for him. But based on the contract, based on the money that he's been given, it's more likely than not that he's going to be a placeholder for someone else. And that's fine, by the way. You know, Mitchell Trubisky now gets an opportunity to prove himself, not necessarily so much to the Steelers, maybe to some degree, but to everyone else out there, too, that he can still be the player that he was once drafted to be. And that's what this is more about. And I got to give him credit because do you remember we were talking about him maybe following Brian Dayball? to the New York Giants because he knew the system and he would go and and not necessarily back up Daniel Jones, but maybe compete with Daniel Jones or be the guy to come in after Daniel Jones. This is an opportunity where he's going out to a different place, a good situation, a really good football team and a good organization and is having the chance now to take that risk of, yeah, I don't know the offense, but I plan to go on there, win whatever quarterback to quarterback competition and go ball out. I give him credit for that because he could have taken a little easier road by going with what was familiar to him, at least in the system and a coach. He didn't do that. You know, he took the opportunity to go out there and try to play. Then, you know, we'll see how this whole thing works out. But I just I don't know if this is anything more than him getting an opportunity for a period of time this season. And if things don't go well. It could end up being a, a quarterback they draft, you know, in the first round of this year's draft or second round to end up being the guy.
3: Well, I mean, uh, that was uh, one of the reports that, uh, you know, it was a done deal, basically, that he was going to go in. Uh, you know, that was a reporting on it. He was going to go to the Giants and compete with Daniel Jones and blah, blah, blah. That's a long list of uh, garbage reporting that's been done out there on this stuff.
2: I think he's an intriguing prospect in, in this scenario. You know, in 18, he was a pro bowler people may not realize that he actually did well enough to be selected as a pro bowler in the national football league. And there have been a lot of debates as to why things went the way that they did for him in Chicago. And for what it's worth, it's debatable. And now you're never void of total, uh, you know, exoneration from being responsible for some of those struggles but there are a few teams that you would look at and you would say it's not a healthy situation for the players that are in it. I think this is one of those times where you look at Trubisky and you say, he can be a guy that leads your team to success, especially a team that has the the bones in place that, that the Pittsburgh Steelers have. I I I actually like the pickup. I I think he's. If I had to say, and I heard you guys heard me saying that Washington was going after Trubisky, I would have liked Trubisky over Wentz, and I think that for, for the price, you're probably yeah, right? right. Especially for the price, right? Especially for the price, and and that's that was something that we made mention of. It's been discussed at length that. The, the value of it was going to have to be there for it to make sense. Now, looking at what he could be moving forward, the idea of it to me is you got a guy that's at 27 years old and gets this second opportunity to, to play in a stable environment. I think it's a great pickup, and if it even does lead into them Taking a draft pick. I ultimately say this if the guy that you may have wanted in the draft isn't there, you can get through this year with Mitch Trubisky. Now, yeah. I don't know how good they're going to be because they still have some things that they need to address. But mainly if they if they get healthy and and guys show a little bit more maturity because they do have weapons, they do have a receiving core they got to stop dropping balls and and they have to be more uh, i think to me more professional in their approach but this could be i mean you got you got Najee Harris in the backfield who is i mean he's a budding superstar in this league they have the pieces in place if they can put maybe one or two one or two up front to to shore up that offensive front I think Trubisky could have the type of year where you're like, wow, I didn't know he was that good.
3: And he's also a mobile quarterback. He's a good athlete. So they're going to have that dynamic they didn't have with Ben Roethlisberger. And his his problem, I think, is that because he was taken ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, people always want to do the comparison game. He's nowhere close to those guys. But he's not a bad quarterback, and he's had success in the league. Yeah, he was a pro bowler. I mean, he's put up really good numbers. He also bailed out Matt Nagy that final year or or, uh, the, the final year when he went to the playoffs because they were trying to toil with Nick Foles. They were looking for any excuse to put Nick Foles in. Foles was a disaster. Trubisky was the better quarterback. The offense ran better. And the one that you always hear about him is that teammates love him. Absolutely love him. Has a great reputation there. Had a good reputation in Buffalo. So I think Pittsburgh's going to be be happy with it. I would just ask you guys this. Is 2022 Mitch Trubisky an upgrade over 2021 Ben Roethlisberger?
1: Ben's stats were a lot better than I think people will give him credit. Uh, and and I, I may be mistaken in saying this, but I, I think I could say this without even looking it up. Ben's last year, last year, was probably better than any year Trubisky's had. Is that fair?
3: Uh, let me just statistically. Let me. Uh, we'll double check here. Uh, let's look up uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Twenty-two touchdowns, ten picks, um, thirty-seven hundred forty yards uh, in the air. Uh, and uh, let's and see. And he missed
1: the game, right? Yes.
3: Yeah. And they were nine and seven with him. Start, uh, with him as a starting quarterback. So. Well, I mean, of, yeah, you
1: can kind of, you can use that if you want, but I'm saying so. Trubisky's best year was, what, his second year when he went to the Pro Bowl? Yeah. Threw for less yards, you know, again, two more touchdown passes, but he also, you know, played in – well, he actually only played in 14 games that year. So I guess statistically you could make the argument. It was about the same. Trubisky maybe outplayed him a little bit. But I kind of look at it and go, I I don't know that there's that big of a difference. I think the biggest thing that he brings that the offense doesn't currently have – Is the ability for him to be able to run and to to take off and make something up with his legs. Like, there is that element to his game that adds to what Pittsburgh might be looking for. And that, again, and and this as much as about Mitchell Trubisky, it also might be an indictment on Matt Nagy. Mm. Like, this might be more of an indictment on, well, apparently that's. That's what the Bears were missing out on because of Nagy and the way he managed it, handled him, and jerked him around over the course of his time in Chicago. I think that's the other thing that gets revealed in all of this this year for the Steelers and Mitchell Trubisky.
2: Yeah, I just, when I look at it, I think that he's the type of quarterback that thrives in Pittsburgh. I mean, we've seen it historically that Pittsburgh brings in quarterbacks like this. And while most of them have, have all come up short, they have played meaningful, meaningful football. I mean, if you go back, you could go back to the Chuck Knoll days and, and work your way through the Bill Coward days. Uh, Mike Tomlin had the, the opportunity to have one quarterback. Um, pretty much during the time that he's been the coach. But if you look at the history of the the organization, I mean when you get into the Mark Malone's and, and the Bubby Bristers Tom and the Mike Tomzak. It's got and,
3: a Pittsburgh name too, Trubisky, know, the, doesn't the it? The
2: Cordell Stortz. I mean, there are a lot of names where you would sit there and you would say they're not they're not considered to be elites. They're not. But they they are as serviceable as serviceable becomes because they lean into the identity of what that. And I think that that's the cool thing about the Pittsburgh Steelers is that when you go there, you have the ability, you have the right to, to take your career and lean into what the Pittsburgh Steelers culture is. And, and really what that is, is that they're going to, they're going to try to run the ball and they're going to play defense. And if you understand that, then you'll you'll realize that very very interestingly enough it opens up your ability to be able to throw the ball and 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 now we have a pass first a pass first uh league a pass first deal. I'm not sure how that that identity will translate in 2022 for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I do know this. A, an aging Ben Roethlisberger, who a lot of people didn't believe, you know, could do it, just prior to this past year, was undefeated through ten weeks of the season, and people couldn't figure out how they were winning games. So, if you can, if if Mitch Trubisky can find his way into fitting in and understanding what that secret sauce is that they have there. He could revive his career. I'm not saying it puts him in the elite conversation because I don't believe that he will ever get to the point of where we say this dude is one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. But what he can do is revive his career and and possibly even possibly become a Pro Bowl quarterback again in Pittsburgh. Uh,
3: I, my one reservation is I don't think Baltimore is going to have the injury luck they had last year. Uh, like they were gutted from the get-go at running back. Lamar got hurt uh, all up and down the roster. Uh, I, I would assume that the Browns would uh, would improve on last year. They've got the talent to do so. I just wonder in that division where Pittsburgh lines up. Well, because... If they had
2: Deshaun Watson, now you got to start having the conversation. Yeah. Which one, like take your pick. Is it the AFC West or is it the AFC North? You know, take your pick because <laughs> it's going to be quarterback-heavy uh, division.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros in a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
3: Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. we did mention this uh, last hour we'll give out uh, more details on where you can go uh, to be a part of this or you can go to uh, Fox Sports Radio the Twitter account, Uh, there's a link there Uh, I have sent out the link uh, to compete in our bracket challenge Um, because the NCAA tournament is here uh, and you're going to get slapped around, I mean that's how this is going to work you can compete against us, you can compete against other listeners, you can try and win prizes, bottom line is you're going to get smoked because the tournament is here uh, and we are uh, getting things started here in a couple of days. So we're going to have St. Paddy's Day and the opening round of the tournament on the same day. What a doozy that's going to be. Mm. I mean, I feel like that's happened in the past, has it not? Yeah. And every time it's a doozy. Like, Right. Right. It is a doozy. Yeah. It, it ends up being an absolute doozy. That's right. Yeah.
2: It's a, it's going to be a doozy. Well, I'm going to stay away from the doozy so I don't get uh, dumped. The- and. <laughs> This this well, it's going to
3: be a doozy. Yeah, it's I'm a doozy, man. To it. A yeah. a, f- a full yeah, day yeah. of uh, of shenanigans uh, yeah, on a, on St. Patty's yeah, Day. Yeah, um, the now, now, yeah. how do we uh, how do we feel about uh, the NCAA tournament as a whole, as far as uh, just the the way it's constructed, the path that's there? By the way, for everybody bitching about Michigan getting in, oh, they had no right to. You. First of all, the biggest story of the entire college basketball season, outside of Duke getting embarrassed by North Carolina. and Coach Gay being pissed. How big Juwan Howard's palm is. Yeah. Oh. Like, you, you, you think they're, they're going to miss an opportunity to put Juwan Howard in the tournament after what he pulled off? Of course they I were going to get Imagine if
2: he loses.
3: Well, Imagine whatever. if he wins. Hey, you take the chance that he's going to slap somebody again. <laughs> uh, and, and, and for ratings purposes, they should be thanking Michigan. So I had no problem with oh, Michigan getting man. in. There's no
2: problem here for I me. I wonder if there's betting odds on that. On whether or not he slaps somebody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> probably is, uh, <laughs> I, I look at uh, the tournament, and I always wonder this. So there, there's obviously bigger schools that played, I think on the outside looking at it, a more difficult schedule. Now, I, I am not some expert in college basketball, will never claim
3: to yeah, be. Let's just fake it like we are. Come on.
1: But l- let me just ask this. Do you not look at teams that played in, like power five bigger conferences and go their record might not look the same as another school that wants some small conference tournament that gets an automatic bid, but aren't they probably a more tough, they're, they're probably a tougher out. Yes. It's probably more difficult. Yes. That's the one thing about the tournament. I look at, and I go, okay, it's, it's awesome to see some of these small schools get a shot and we all root for the underdog. We root for the Cinderella stories, but it's so seldom that we actually see them, you know, make that run or make those moves. Where meanwhile, we've got teams that are power five teams and are left out because the regular season or they, they didn't win the tournament for their conference. And they're either a bubble team or they just they weren't you know good enough this year to make it in. And so I look and I just go, OK, I mean, I, I, I do love March Madness. I love the format. I love that small schools get a shot to be a part of it. The truth is though, I don't know that it's the best determination of the actual best team in college basketball. I I don't think those two things match up very well based on the format. It's terrible.
2: Well, I I tend to look at it from the standpoint of at least there's a chance for that to prove out. Right? Like it, you look at some of these these lower level teams, they get into they get into the play-in and, and what is it like they have like the the bonus round or whatever? It's
3: the, the play and they've got yeah. games coming up tonight yeah. and tomorrow uh, like, to be the 16 seed. and To, the to 12. me, to me, when
2: you see a smaller school knock off a bigger school, when you start to see the, you know, kind of the, the sweet 16 and the elite eight start to emerge and you see schools and names that you're not aware of and and they're making it that far to me i i find it i find it to be intriguing and i find it to be entertaining um i don't know i'll say this and maybe this is maybe this is horrible of me to say but is it just me i don't know the players as well as i once did and and i don't think it's because i don't it's not a lack of paying attention to watching college basketball. It's it's like you built – there were brands. Like the Fat Five was a brand. Yeah. The UNLV was a brand. Duke was a brand. UNC, it was a brand. And every single year you knew exactly who the players were that were coming in that you wanted to look for. Like you – I know that there's still the elite players that are in the in the tourney, and I don't want to take anything away from that. I just feel like it's not, for some strange reason, brands aren't built as strong right now as they once were. I just don't. I don't see it. I don't. I don't. I don't. Well, feel there's that. definitely
1: there's definitely more parity in in college basketball. I, I I think the whole one and done craze where it created you know more. All right. It, it, Coach Calipari is going to legitimately take a chance on kids who have no desire to be in college basketball for longer than they have to. <laughs> that's his yeah. starting right? five. That's his That's starting five.
2: Right. But that was – next starting
1: five. Yes. Yeah. It, it was a strategy for a series of years, and he had success during the course of – well, he obviously won a championship doing it, but he had success throughout the course of the regular season, tournament season, and then other, other schools started doing it. And you got to the point then where you're like, okay, like how, wh- how unique is what, is, is what UK offering versus what another school can offer for one or two of those stars? And I think that started to level the playing field a bit. I actually think the format of the tournament itself and the expansion of the tournament itself has done the exact opposite of what you're saying. I think it's built up a brand. Gonzaga, when I was growing up, in the early 2000s, were a Cinderella story. Mm-hmm. Now they were not, not viewed at now – now they're a one seed. Yeah. Now they're a team that, like, I, I picked them to win it
3: this year. A favorite.
1: Yeah. I, I picked them to win it. I, 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 at least in one of the brackets. I don't know if I'll do it for the one I'm doing with you guys. But, I, you know, that's because they got exposure. That's because they went on that Cinderella story. Of course. Like, we look at Loyola Chicago with Sister Jean, and next time they start winning some games, we don't look at it as an upset. We're like, oh, that's a good program. Yep. Like, like the, we, we've seen them do this before. So it's, it's one thing that I actually, I, I hate that college football hasn't been able to figure it out because you've got a parity problem in college football. And I think with expansion, it helps negate some of that. You get to a point where you're a school that's competing for a national championship. You can recruit off of that amongst NIL or everything else, even though, you know, you're not supposed to be able to induce recruits. The reality is it's out there. But I think that's the one thing that the the NCAA tournament has actually done really well is building up smaller brands to level the playing field and make there more parity. And if I'm a kid like, for example, Notre Dame, I, I, and, and I don't yeah. tell many people this, but I follow their basketball program. As close as football, if not maybe
3: even more. <laughs> You're going to be sweating like, your balls out tomorrow night. No,
1: I, I'm not because, I, I, look, regardless of what happens, I think they're a good team. They're fun to watch. And like Blake Wesley, for example, he's a hometown kid from South Bend, Indiana, decided to go to Notre Dame, and he could leave if he wanted after this year. He could probably be a second-round pick, maybe back into the first-round pick. But like that's, like, I, I can't think of the last time we've had a recruit like that. We've got two now. We've got a kid who's coming in next year who's going to have the ability to do that and be a one-and-done if he so chooses. I mean, it's, it's, it's really leveled the playing field amongst college basketball between the tournament, the expansion of it, different brands emerging. And I, and I think you know kids realizing that they don't have to go to UK or Duke or UNC in order to be able to make it to the league and be a, a top pick. Like these guys are coming from all different places now, and it's not like it used to be. And I think expansion of the tournament, or at least the format, has kind of helped with that.
2: Um, it's... I agree with that too. Like I, I, I just think for me, I guess what I was trying to like really kind of like illustrate is like a Nolan Harrison, right? Like yeah. uh like a Mike Krzyzewski, uh a, a Dean, uh, a coach Dean, Dean uh, Smith, a Dean Smith, uh, you know the who who was coaching uh, Kentucky back then? It w- was it Kyler Perry? No, it wasn't. When Calipari no. Perry was at like UMass, like when you look at the like coming into Roy the,
3: Williams, Gary Roy, Williams, uh, Gary Williams yeah. at, at, Maryland, at Maryland, yeah. like
2: these, when you start to think about those coaches, and then I can really, I can remember Corliss Williamson and, and, and Scotty Thurman and, and guys that were on those teams for the, for the Razorbacks, or you think about UMass with, with, um, What what's big fella's name? Marcus Uh, Camby, Marcus Camby, and and those guys, and you start to think about like the brands. Like if I really start jogging my mind, I can think I could get about three or four out of the starting five of all of these teams. And you're coming into the you're coming into the tournament where it's like there are multiple marquee players that are branded with marquee programs with marquee coaches. And I don't feel like that's how it is anymore. I don't feel like that's the format of it. Like I knew I needed to watch UNLV. I, I knew I needed to watch Kentucky or or Duke and they were heading towards Michigan or whatever it may be. The names and the coaches, it was driving you. Like when you're looking at Mark Macon and 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 coach uh what Coach Cheney at, at Temple. You're looking at John Thompson. Hit your and all of kids those in names. the mouth. Right, I'll kill you. <laughs> I'll kill you. Like when you look at the the tournament now. I don't. I don't. And maybe this is me, but I just don't feel like the cachet connected to the the marquee players, the coaches, and, and a program could pop up like Arizona or, or Arizona pops up and they come out, here they go. You know, D- Damon yeah. Stoudemire. Well, yeah. I just I, don't, I, I don't feel that anymore. I, I, I could
1: tell you why. Go ahead, I mean, me. you know who controls March Madness? Who? The NCAA. This is their one big moneymaker and how they've been able to really profit off of student athletes. It's, it's always been March Madness. And I think they've done an awful job of being able to maneuver, manage, whether it's the NIL space or anything else for that matter. But I think there is much to blame on the lack of being able to, you know, highlight the athletes that are there as anything else. But I I also think some of it gets gets watered down because of social media and just the plethora of crap that's out there. Hmm. I mean, it's to me like Chet Holmgren, right? Big recruit at Gonzaga, the freshman, big, tall, skinny guy, really skilled player. You know, I I knew about him going to Gonzaga initially because of stuff I saw via through recruiting, but it was all on social media. Like, that's how we were absorbing it. Like, it's not like it used to be back in the day when you see Jerry Stackhouse at UNC and go, oh, I remember that dude. Or, like, you remember seeing those Duke players because you were all tuning in for whatever game it was. And granted, Most of those guys, though, because they didn't have as much of a platform elsewhere, had to go to the biggest brands. These kids don't have to go to the biggest, quote-unquote, basketball brands anymore. And and I think that's changed things. Mm -hmm. And it's allowed them to, to, like a Blake Wesley, stay close to home, go to Notre Dame. You can still go to the league. You can still be impactful. You know, there's other players who I think probably feel that way to some degree where they don't feel the necessity to go to Duke all the way across the country if you're from California
2: and you go somewhere on the West Coast. Like, it, it, give me it, nicknames, uh, okay, right? Like, so, think about, like, Big Dog. All
3: right, so uh, you remember Felipe Lopez? Yeah, absolutely. He was put on, what was it the SI cover? I think yes. it was Sports Illustrated. Yes. Man, like, like who was, like, when's the last time you can remember, like, a guy, and he went to St. John's, I think. I think he ended yes. up going to St. John's. Yes. But it's like – I just, I don't think, I think people view college basketball as a three-week sport now. It's a tournament. That's it. And and I don't know if it's because the NFL gets so much coverage, but there's just not that appeal like there was. Like, college basketball was my favorite sport when I was younger. I love college basketball. It's just not there's there's something, whether it's the coverage, whether it's the way it's it's, you know, branded during the course of the regular season. The fact that it's competing with the NFL, who's now got weekday games uh, and the NFL has got, you know, 24 seven coverage. I just feel like it falls to the wayside in comparison to college football, to the NFL. It just and and it's sad. I mean, it's a great tournament. But other than that, outside of that three, four weeks, it just feels like there's not the appeal anymore. Big Dog Robinson. Where'd he go? Purdue.
2: Okay. Purdue. Purdue. You can pull things. So, Mash. Where did he go? Steve Nash? Mash. Uh, oh, Mash. Uh, Kentucky. Jamal, Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you had nicknames for dudes. Ramil. Where did he go? Michigan. <laughs> right? Like, Glenn. Like, the old Bannons, The Bannon brothers. Where yeah. did yeah, they go? Yeah. Like. It was. You're also talking
1: about some of the bigger brands, right? In, in talking about Kentucky or Duke or UCLA, I mean, those are the blue bloods. But
2: you don't even feel that with blue bloods. I don't even feel that with blue bloods going into this year's yeah, because there's, because there's more parity. I mean, kids don't feel the necessity to go there anymore. They, they, but they, but why? But why? See, to me, I feel like there's still an the opportunity I, to brand I, them where I, they're I at. I understand that, but I don't feel like they feel the need. They especially don't feel like in the they basketball. need to. I'm in and out. Like, I don't need to build a match. Well, know, it's not or, even or, that. They could build it on social media.
1: Like, I think mm-hmm. a, lot of these, a lot of these social media sites and all that do a good job with these kids especially in basketball when they're young to build them up to the point where, like, you knew about Zion before Zion ever Very got to Very true, Duke, yeah. Now, Duke helped build his brand. But
2: it didn't. It, 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 he was already you, famous,
1: though. People who, people who knew about Zion Williamson knew about him when he was in high school. It wasn't a surprise to them. No different than the Chet Holmgren kid at Gonzaga that Jonas hates to admit. But I just I feel like well, that's been as big of a, a part of it as anything.
3: It's not that I that I dislike Chet Holmgren. I yeah. dislike the fact that he intentionally fouled somebody when his head coach told him not to, and it cost me a bet. That's why. Yeah, so yeah, so I got a go. little bit of a. And a that's, gripe. that's
1: actually one of the reasons why I think I like him. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you can st- take, uh, sides with, uh, take sides uh, with take sides
3: with uh, that with that win puppet and uh, and, win and watch Gonzaga lose in the tournament again. Wow. Sick of it. Chet well, Holmgren. Fifteen dollars down the drain. What's range. up,
0: Chet? Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.